This is episode number 70. Letting go of things that no longer serve you with Elam Ahimanji. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohi, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a brief announcement regarding our upcoming event in New York City, From Pain to Power. This is an event where you will get a chance to connect with other change makers within your community who have turned their pain into a powerful message. The ultimate blend of connecting with like-minded individuals, learning different strategies and tools for personal transformation, and breakthrough sessions to help you share your story. For more information, please go to overcomingodds.today slash pain to power. Now, let's get back to our guest. Have you ever been in a relationship that held you back from becoming who you wanted to become? He said, I came to a point of my life in my teenage years where I realized that this relationship that I had with the religion was kind of holding me back as a person and what I wanted to become. How do you end relationships that no longer serve you? Without further ado, please welcome Elam. Ahimanji. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Ads podcast. Today's guest, his name is Elam Ahimanji. He was a founder of a business in Philadelphia called Delaware Limo and a good friend of mine. Elam, welcome to the show. Hey, Oleg. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for being a part of it. As I was mentioning to you before, I feel honored to have people like you on the show because you were there when it all started. In fact, I remember the day of coming home from the coffee shop as part of the business accelerator incubator program that we were together and sharing with you the news of, hey, I just came up with this cool name called Overcoming Odds. What do you think? And so you were you were there from the very beginning stages of it all. So I appreciate you for who you are and all the support that you've given us along the way. You're welcome. It's been a beautiful thing to be a part of. And, uh, you know, it's only be the beginning, so mm-hmm. I'd love to see where it takes us next. <laughs> Absolutely. The The topic that I wanted to discuss with you today is something that I think all of us can relate to, and it goes back to relationships. And I, I'm not only talking about relationship with significant other, but also relationships that you have within business and friends. And so the question that I really wanted to explore with within our time frame is, why do we choose to stay in unhealthy relationships? And I think right. the best way to approach this is if we were to go even deeper and maybe start off with a time where you were able to recognize that you were in an unhealthy relationship or relationships. And if so, like, can you kind of take us through that time and how you were able to really acknowledge the fact that you were in a relationship that did not serve a greater purpose of who you were and who you were becoming. And, and then we'll just take it from there. Right. Absolutely. Um, so it's definitely a loaded question. Um, (laughs) and I guess you can start with, um, giving a little bit of my background to put everything into context. So my family, um, the relationship that I'm going to be talking about is not a romantic relationship. Um, it's actually a relationship that I had with a, a faith, um, or a belief system that I had, um, that I was born into and raised into. So uh, my family, I was raised a Christian, specifically a Jehovah's Witness, which is a very specific um, sector uh, within um, the Christian religion. And the reason why this relationship, um, you know, I choose to talk about this is because it really shaped a lot about who I was as a person. Um, and, it, you know, it, it penetrated every part of my life, from my social life to my faith, my um, what I believed in, to... Um, you know, the people who I associated myself with. So it was, it was something that was, it was a relationship that I was very entwined with, um, intertwined with. And, um, it, you know, 
growing up, my mother uh, raised us as Jehovah's Witness, and um, you know that's how she was raised as well. Um, so you know we would go to church and you know do all go go to all the services and things like that. Um, but the thing about this relation, this religion that um, makes it a little bit more different from the other religions is that um, there's a there's a lot of rules that limit what you can do as an individual or what is allowed in the society of the religion. For example, um, we uh, you know as you know as you may or may not know, Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate any holidays. Um, we do not uh, stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, um, and you know just things like that. It's the way that we dress. There's very strict rules on the way we dress, on on dating, on um, it's certain things that just makes you stand out as an individual. Not that these things are bad, or that you know I'm pretty sure they serve a purpose. But I came to a point in my life, um, in my teenage years, where I realized that this um, that the, this relationship that I had with this religion was kind of holding me back as a person and, and you know, what I wanted to become. Um, so I guess that's the first step was when, when I began to realize that this was, that I needed to, that this relationship wasn't serving me anymore, um, I guess came in my high school years when I, um, began, you know, learning a bit more about history and, and, and things like that. And I also, um, I started playing sports, um, uh, one thing that the Jehovah's Witness religion didn't allow is that, you know, they, they were really against playing sports um, in school, which I thought was absurd. You know, I use sports as a, as a way to keep myself busy doing, um, you know, good things. And there's a lot of other things I could get into. So um, I never really understood that, the you know, why uh, something that has to do with faith should get to penetrate your athletic life as well. You know, I, I didn't really see that as, as serving um, a purpose. And then on top of that, um, there were also re uh, restrictions on what you should be studying or should be learning. So me, as a me as a person, I've always been really interested in the Bible. Um, I always took it upon myself to study things for myself and learn for myself. And whenever I found uh, things in the Bible or found came across things that I had questions about, I would do research on it. And that research would several times or most often lead me to other texts, other books, other faiths, other religions, and I and I, I love this. Um, and when I took this, and when I began learning about other religions, I had questions about Buddhism and about you know other faiths. And I took these questions, and I and I saw things that overlined with the Christian religion and and other religions. And I said, okay, why you know why is it that you know these things overlap? I brought these questions to the the elders in my church, and um, the 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 response that I got was more of a uh, you know don't don't look that way. You know, there's no need to look that way. Um, you know, those questions. Um, you're not asking the right questions, or, mm. you know. It's, it was a it was a feeling of like you know you know you're, you're biting off more than you can chew. Uh, you know, don't worry don't worry about that. What we you know you don't need to have an answer for those questions. And and to me at my core that really really bothered me as a person um, because you know I, I'm at the age where I'm trying to define myself. I'm trying to define what what the world is to me. So whenever I when I, the second I ran into something that was telling me that um, you know this you shouldn't go down this path. It was, it, it immediately sent a red flag to me. So that's when I realized that this relationship wasn't really serving me anymore. It was when I felt that I was being limited on who I could be as a person um, by me not being able to learn the things I wanted to learn and also be able to discuss these things with the people that I care about. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. Those are all very good points. And be, before we get deeper into that, I, I wanna be able to understand a couple of the things that you had just mentioned. So my, my background is that I, when I was brought up, I believed um, that there was God. And so I, right. I, I, and I was uh, part of a Christian religion until I was about 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And for me, what ended up happening was I had come to a point in my life where I began to question a lot of things as far as the existence and certain beliefs that I believed um, fundamentally led me to mm -hmm. certain discoveries in life. And so I'm, I'm curious to know bef before we dive deeper within your story is once you were able to identify the things that you didn't fully align with within this right. particular religion, mm -hmm. how do you justify that to yourself and the people within your community? Some of them might include your family members mm -hmm. that these are the things I support, and these are the things that I don't agree with. Right. Therefore, this is the person I become. I imagine that's probably the challenge. One of the challenging parts is being yes. able to have that conversation and and assume that the other person that's receiving it is going to be 
open-minded enough so they can understand that, okay, LM, I get it. You right. align with this, but you don't align with that. I Therefore, I still accept you for who you are. Exactly. And this was the, these conversations is kind of what um, re- made me realize uh, what, um, that this relationship was no longer serving me because I had question I had questions about things and whenever I would bring up a discussion with my with my family or as you know within the religion um, we refer to every all of the members of the church as brothers or sisters so I, re- I would bring these things up you know with you know fellow brothers or sisters that I felt like I could discuss these things with and and you know the conversation generally uh, went okay in the sense where they would listen to me but when it came down to, it was like, a, okay, I'm listening to you. But then when I came down to, okay, so what does this mean to you? It, it, it almost like they gave up their sense of individuality and just kind of like, um, it's like, it's like a part of your mind that you can like block off that, you know, you like, you don't want, you know, it's like, you don't There's want to like talk a about limit it. to what you can listen to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. That's a perfect way to put it. Exactly. So I would always reach that spot and then someone would be like, or my mother or even my family, you know, family members, some of the brothers and sisters would be like, okay, well, well, that doesn't really matter. Or, you know, well, don't worry about that. Or, or, um, well, you know, that's not the point, but that, that was exactly where I was trying to get to. So I found that I would have, when I, whenever I try to bring this up in conversation, I would get close to it. But then the second I got to where the point where, okay, well, then am I allowed to, uh, not even allowed to, or, at the point where I'm defining, well, look, I don't believe in this. This shouldn't, this shouldn't, you know, be understood this way, or, or I understand this differently. This means something co- some completely different to me and, and my faith. Then it 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 it, it wasn't accepting. I w- it wasn't an environment where they were like, okay, yeah, I get it. You know, you can be yourself. You can believe that, and and everything's okay. It wasn't like that. It was more of a no. You need to, you know, that's not correct. The thing that's making you think this way, you know, you're just misguided. You just need to, you know, read some more of, of these publications and then you'll you'll be back on track or or but but that wasn't the case. You know, from my recent, you know, the questions I were asking, the answers that were given to me weren't the answer, weren't correct answers. And when I was finding correct answers and bringing them back, it, it wasn't, you know, it, it just wasn't adding up. You know, one plus one was not equaling two. So um, so I guess at the point where um I really felt alienated in a sense where um, I couldn't find anyone who was willing to openly discuss questions that they had with the faith um, with me. Um, and I think that was the biggest thing is, is I, I didn't really feel like I could relate with anyone or no one tried to relate with me um, or try to understand. Like you said, they, they just there wasn't an environment of open mindedness. So I guess that once I realized that there was sort of not like there's no hope but there's, there was no way for me to continue that relationship and have people look at me in the same open-minded light. So I knew I couldn't, it, both wouldn't work. It was either I was going to conform my thoughts into what you know, the organization was going to teach and then everything would be okay, or I was going to you know, make it known that, okay, I don't believe these things. But the second I did that, I would be alienating. I would basically be removing myself from that relationship or that organization. So... Um, it, it was a it was a very black and white decision for me. It was it was it, it wasn't like I could have one foot in the door and one foot out. Um, I guess that's that's probably different from a lot of other relationships where, uh, you know, maybe you could kind of like be in like a limbo state. There was no in between here. It was either you believe what we believe and you support us hundred percent, or you are not, <laughs> you know, or you don't. Um, so I guess that was one of the things that um, kind of pushed me to making the decision I made because I knew that there was no. There was no halfway um, making a decision, so I had to be very sure about what what I believed in it and very sure about what I was doing. On top of that, um, part of the Jehovah's Witness faith, um, which I critiqued a lot, was the fact it was their concept of disfellowshipping, where if if a member of the church is found to you know not fully agree with the church, um, they reach a point where they're like excommunicated from the church, and and then the members of the church have to you you lose all contact with them. They're not allowed to speak to you. Um, they don't say hi to you when they walk by you at the store. And this is all I knew. This is the community that I grew up with. You know, these are people I call, I call my brothers and sisters for, for years of my life. So um, I knew that what I would be doing would be completely alienating me from people that I felt were my family. But the reason why I chose to go ahead and, and sever that relationship is because 
I knew that the, through the, the search for truth, one, I would be able to find others who inevitably were on that same path as me, who had the same questions. Um, and also I knew I would be able to find, um, you know, I would be able to find uh, family in other places um, and faith in other places as well, which, which I have. Um, so I would say, for, yeah, leaving that, leaving that relationship was very tough in the sense where there's a lot of people who I would love to sit down and, and have a meal with and chat with that I can't, I can no longer do that with. Um, but in, but the, the liberating sense of knowing that I'm st I've stayed true to who I am as a person is, has served me a lot more um, than I think it would have, I would have if I would have stayed in that um, religion. You bring up a really good point, and I think the point is when it comes to your family, when we really think about it for most of us, I think it's the closest thing that we have as far as a, a form of a tribe or a community. And mm -hmm. so in, in your case, you can mention that you were able to see a sense of family within other spots mm -hmm. and other people. And I, mm -hmm. I completely agree with that because I can relate to some of the closest friends that I have, yourself included, and see a resemblance of what a brother would be to me or a sister right. or a person who I believe has mother-like qualities, but they right. may not be that person from birth or adoption or whatever it may be. So my question is, how do you define family? Right. What is family uh, to you? Yeah, you bring up a really good point because um, I, I've, I've always, uh, you know, like you said, the fact that we call each other brother and sister, um, I, it, it has made me kind of reevaluate what, what family means to me. Um, and I've found that in situations where you're kind of forced uh, into family, which is whether it's birth or whether it's by religion, um, I found that your family, of course, these people serve, you know, they, they care for your best interests and things like that. But when it comes to accepting your individuality, the, you can face some of the harshest opposition from these people who, from, from you know, these people that we, we originally defined as family. So after I've severed my relationship and kind of was kind of thrown out into the world on my own um, by myself to kind of, you know, figure it out. I found that the people I ended up calling family were the people who, like you said, accepted me for who for who I was, for what they, they listened to what I believed in, understood it. And even though they didn't, you know, most of the time they didn't agree or they would say, OK, well, wow, that's interesting. They still accepted me for who I was as a person and treated me the same as they would um, anyone else. And I think that's the biggest thing about family that defines it to me is that um, whenever you're kind of thrust into it or it's 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 you're in a forced situation um it, it's kind of hard to naturally develop these type of relationships to where like you said someone you can call your brother someone you can call your sister um but when it naturally happens when you when you you know just when you're just being yourself and you are drawn to people who are just drawn to your energy. I think that that natural connection is almost just as strong as some of the family that we've had for decades and years because it's not forced. You know, they they don't have to be your your family. You know, they don't have to be your friends. They don't even have to talk to you. But the fact that they choose to, the fact that they choose to go out of their way to make sure that you're okay and they accept you for who you are and encourage you to be who you are. I think that's that's so much more beautiful than having someone who's kind of obligated to do that. So I, I value my friends, my close friends that I have just as much as I do my family because, um, you know, they're just as committed to me, uh, committed to me and my well-being as, as my family is, but they're not obligated to. So I think that extra layer makes it so much more uh, precious to me or special to me, I guess. Mm -hmm. I like that because it, it just makes me think of how we define certain people and certain roles within our lives. I think the the tendency, and, and I was in this position, and I maybe still am to a degree, to think that because we have a family, in my case, I, I'm able to have both sides, the birth side and then the adopted mm -hmm. side. And mm -hmm. as part of that, I think when you are put into positions like that, and in your, in your case, it's birth, birth parents, mm -hmm. I think there's almost a set of assumptions that come with those roles as far as if these are the roles that they are defined in, therefore you must follow X, Y, and Z definition. That's exactly. with, within the guidelines of the relationship that you have with them. But right. what's interesting is the way that you just described it, it sounds like 
you still have a choice regardless to define what role they play in your life. Yeah. You didn't get, I always make a joke about age saying, who's to say that we were born starting with number one and then go to <laughs> two and three and four. I didn't get to define that. Right. And then when, when you really think about it, some of the people on this earth, as I'm sure you've met throughout your business or any other encounter that you've had, they are well beyond the age that they're at, their wisdom. Right. They could mm -hmm. be 25, but they could be thinking at, at someone who's 40 or 50. Right. So yeah. they, didn't, they didn't get to choose that particular number, but they have to live with that number in yeah. today's society. Mm -hmm. When you start something young, when you think about some of the organizations that have come to the capacity that they do, Facebook being a perfect example, mm -hmm. Mark Zuckerberg, when he started that in his 20s, I'm sure he has faced similar situations that maybe you and I are facing. Right. When it comes to people understand your vision, but then they immediately snap back to, well, he's only 25. Right. Or he's only 26. There's no way he can accomplish that. Exactly. And so I, as, as part of what you just said, I think it's very important to, for us individually, redefine what our world really means. Yeah. And yeah, constantly think, challenge it. Yeah. I think that's the first, not the first, but that's a very key point in uh, being able to overcome a relationship. Because as you know, like, um, like in, with my religion, um, that was my world. You know, everything about my worldview was shaped by that relationship. And as it may be with, you know, with a romantic relationship that, that might be unhealthy, you might be living with this person. You might have to see this person every day. Um, you know, so it, it's, a, it's a huge part of how you define yourself, this relationship. So by you deciding that you don't want this part or that this part isn't serving you anymore, you're, lit, you're essentially, you have to redefine how you define yourself. And I, I realized that the biggest change of how I, I, I found before I, I, when I was in the religion, I found my, my value or what, how I viewed myself was directly based on how I was perceived in the church or perceived by everyone. It was all about my outward perception. And I think that was one of the major changes. It, it, it gave me a paranoia. I felt like I had to keep a certain image of myself no matter where I was. I always felt like if I, got, if I went somewhere, if I did something where someone would look at me as, oh, I'm not being the perfect Jehovah's Witness. Or if someone saw me and was like, oh, you know, he, he, sh he shouldn't be doing that. He shouldn't be wearing that. He shouldn't be in this environment or something like that, that that would somehow, you know, it, you know, offend someone or something. Like, I always had that paranoia. And I think that really got to me. I think after being able to get to the point where I was able to not be worried about that anymore, um, it was like a huge weight lifted off my shoulders in the sense where um, it was a transition from me worrying about how my outward image was perceived um, to me just being genuinely giving my best effort and being the best person who I can be and accepting the fact that, you know, I'm not going to be perfect all the time. I'm not always going to have the right answers, but that's mm -hmm. not the point. The fact that I'm just pursuing that, the fact that I realize that and I'm pursuing that that advantage of lying to myself and telling myself that oh I have all the answers and I'm I'm always going to be perfect when when you when to me I just found that not to be realistic you know that's not you know how can you you're lying to yourself at that point and and I think that was the biggest thing is like I I made the commitment that okay I I can't lie to myself anymore like you know I like I said I love these people I love the people that I went to church with I'm not I have no hate against anyone there I still wish the best for them and I and and I'm pretty sure a lot of that love is reciprocated but it's not the fact that you have to limit that that you can let a commitment to a certain relationship limit who you can be as a person I think that's where the flaw happens I don't think there should be any any relationship that does that's not helping you be um you know your truest self or or express yourself in the in the 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 best way that you can express yourself you know in the terms of of love you know any environment that gives you the most of a you know allows you to share the most amount of love with the world um i think if that relationship isn't giving you that then it's not serving you um so i think um like you said it, it was a big step and, and change in paradigm moving from something that kind of defined the way you looked at everything and 
rewriting that story or rewriting, you know, starting from scratch essentially to rebuild what the world uh, looks like to you. So I think that it's a real, I like that you brought that up because, you know, it's, it was really it's key uh, it's so key to, it, it, to who you exactly. become yeah it's, it's not easy at all exactly and this is over the course of like maybe three or four years of of me transitioning from um you know deciding that i wanted i i wanted to end the relationship and actually ending it you know <laughs> so so it's not an easy process it's not a, a quick one and it's 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 painful in the sense where um a lot of people can misinterpret it from the outside a lot of people thought that you know I was I took it personally, what I was doing, but you know it's it, it wasn't about them. It wasn't about and it, and and at the end of the day, it's not really about me. I, I feel like it's mostly about just um, like I said, I felt like it limited who what I could offer to the world. Um, so you know me being in the place that I am now, um, I feel like you know I I, I you know I have plans to do a, a you know amazing things um, to help people that I feel like I would not have been able to get to if I would have stayed true to that relationship. So by severing that relationship, I felt like I, I set myself up to be able to build more relationships and also give other people the opportunity to form strong, healthy relationships of their own too. So. There's, a, there's a quote that I always go to, and it's actually from a movie that you had recommended <laughs> at Unbreakable. Nice. I watched it two times. Mm-hmm. And... There's a moment in the movie where Samuel Jackson asks Bruce Willis, I believe it's towards the end. He says, do you know what the scariest thing in life is? And Bruce Willis looks at him and he says, not knowing who you are. Mm. And it just, it hit home for me on so many different levels. I think, First one being is literally not knowing who you are. And then the second one part is knowing the fact that you don't know who you are. Right. Because of the limitations and the groups that you're a part of that in a way limit you from yeah. living your true self. Just like you mentioned, some of the some of the groups that you were a part of, they were your family. Yeah. Literal family. Mm -hmm. And so finding the courage to tell them, hey, these are the things that I don't want to be, but these are the things that I really believe in, that must be a very difficult point. Yeah. And the other thing is part of that, some people in this lifetime don't get to that point. Right. Some people may get to a point of where they're only able to recognize the fact mm -hmm. that that's happening. Others mm -hmm. like yourself can actually recognize and get to a form of action. And it doesn't make you any better or worse than those that haven't because I think we all live at different chapters of our lives. Right. And so it, it all comes down to what are you ready for at exactly. the particular time and, mm -hmm. what, and what are the resources you have at hand mm -hmm. as far as how much confidence do you have, how comfortable do you feel with having a conversation like that, what mm -hmm. challenges... And so I guess the, the question that keeps coming back to my mind is, so we recognize that's a thing and we understand that the next step to take is having that conversation, I think mm -hmm. ultimately with yourself and redefining mm -hmm. what's important to you and then having a conversation with those outside of you to right. help them better understand why you're making that decision. Exactly. But in some cases, why do we still choose to stay in those relationships right. that we know and, are unhealthy? Right, and this is something I've I've uh, explored a lot, and I've I think I've I've read a few things that kind of pointed me in the right um, direction in terms of an answer to this. So the answer that I've come and the understanding that I've come to get is that we we sometimes we hide hate behind love in relationships. And what I mean by that is, um, let's say I'm in a relationship, let's say, you know, I have a relationship with the religion, with that religion. So everyone I call in that church is my brother and sister, right? But, you know, being a true Christian, right, means you treat everyone with love. Essentially, everyone on this planet is your brother and sister, you know, by the nature of it. I mean, we're all human beings, right? So by me choosing to, to treat certain people in a relationship a special way, 
I'm essentially denying the fact that I'm going to be treating the people outside of that relationship in a different way. And I think that was the thing that also bothered me is the fact that, um, you know, you're obligated to treat, you know, you're, it's, you know, you treat your family a certain way, obviously, but you don't treat everyone as your family. And I think that's where the problem is. I think once we start limiting who can be our family or who is in our family, once you put a limit on that or you cap that relationship, you, you limit um, how much love and love you can share with everyone else. So, for example, like you said, why do, pe- why do we choose to stay in these relationships, although they feel unhealthy, is because it, it, it is a way for us to express love. You know, like you said, our family, we don't want to tear our family apart. You know, we love our family. I love the people that I call my brothers and sisters. So in order to, to sustain that, to keep that love, it's to, and, and because we're so afraid of losing love, we will stay in those relationships because th- that's the only love that we know of. And, and that's the only love that we know of because we are treating everyone outside of those relationships without equal love. You know what I mean? So it's like a, it's, it's something that kind of feeds on itself. But the second that you start, that you realize that you, if, you know, I'm not going to treat this, spe- this one person or this special group a certain way. I'm going to treat everyone this way. Then it, it completely opens up that relationship. It kind of makes you redefine that relationship. And you look at it and you're like, wait, you know, um, I, you know, I can find brothers and sisters outside of this realm. You know, I can find somebody who can share their thoughts and, and, and feelings and emotions and everything with me outside of just this one person. Um, so I think that that realization is we, we cling to the little that we know just because we, we are unaware of how much more there is out there. Um, and that's just the nature of who we are as people. And, and like I said, I speak for myself in the sense where, you know, I, I had so many people that I could call my brother and sister that it felt like if I were to somehow lose these people, it would tear my whole world apart and I would never fill that gap again, you know? So that's, that's what makes you want to stick with it so much. But once you realize that, wow, okay, well, how about, let me just try treating other people the same way I treat them. And then I found a magical thing happened is that, that I was beginning to get reciprocated love in the same level that I was getting from the members of the organization and my church, from people that, you know, I didn't even know that long or people that didn't have any, you know, we weren't in the same organization or things like that, you know? So I think, we, I think we're just scared to find love in, 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 in places that we, we just don't normally get it. And I think, um, you know, it, it takes a little while to realize, or I don't know what, at what I think once you, once you, you meet that one person, like you said, so when I left, left the religion, um, I started school, um, you know, I was going to college, which is one thing that the religion is against. <laughs> um, but I, I was able to meet a lot of new people. And then when I started meeting genuine, caring people, um, that is kind of what made me feel confident in my decision to leave that relationship. Because like you said, I, I wasn't scared that I was never going to find a family anymore. You know, I was, I was already being able to find people I could call family. And then I run into people like you, um, and, you know, and, and other great individuals that I, that I spend a lot of t- my time and with, I'm like, wow, you know, these, this is the type of relationships that, you know, we crave for that we live for. Um, so I, being able to find that outside of that, base relationship, I think is what kind of sealed the deal for me. I was like, all right, you know, I know I'm in good hands. You know, I know I don't need to crave a certain thing from a certain group of people or from a certain individual because I know I can get that from anyone else as long as I'm willing to give it to more than just one person or more than one group. So I think that's the, that's the revelationary thing to me is like, wow, the, the second that you're willing to um, extend uh, that treatment that you're giving to that special that that relationship to to anyone, then you'll you'll see the magic start to happen. You know, it comes back to you. Um, and yeah. it, I think it boils down to uh, you. You said it perfectly, and that is whatever you seek out and go after. Those are the things that you're going to attract. Right. I, I've recently started to look at things such as adversity, or even how I view my own life, and that is. I think I've shared this concept with you before. I believe we always live with the option of abundance and the lack of in life. And it Mm -hmm. all goes back to how you look at the particular situation at hand. Let's say you're having a problem when it comes to relationship, finances, work, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. It's that might be one side of it, but it's also important for me to understand that there's the other side. There are the new relationships that are getting built. There's the new forward progress that is being made through an organization or a particular initiative. 
And so the more I began to understand that, the more it just made sense to me to really accept certain things for what they are and deal with them to the best of your ability, but know that there is always this future that is yeah. there. And so yeah. like being able to think in an optimistic type of way is, is so critical. And I think for me, this as I can relate to what you're saying, when it comes to choosing to stay in, in a relationship that you knew was unhealthy and then you knew it wasn't benefiting you, I can definitely relate. I've been in multiple of those throughout my life. And mm-hmm. I've also been very fortunate to be able to walk away from them and say, even though I might have viewed them as unhealthy relationships, what are the things that I gained from them? Right. So it's always an equal balance. I yeah. Think when you when you look at something and you look at it as far as, well, this is not good for me. It's tearing me apart. Well, what's the other end of that? Exactly. Right. Right. That's and it's kind of hard for, harder for me to to put into context with like the religion, but I could put it into like maybe like uh, boyfriend girlfriend relationships um, that I've been a part of before in the sense where like I can look back like let's say maybe that relationship was stopped serving you and you know you, there's a breakup and you know things are kind of bitter. If if you're if you can truly look back and and see it for for what it truly was and and how it made you grow, you can kind of, you form a new le- you form a new type of relationship. It's like a new relationship with a relationship. Exactly. There you go. It's a perfect way to put it. And I, and I feel like I've kind of gotten that with a lot of the the people from my my organization because before I used to keep a lot of like hate like you know or a lot of anger like oh how could they you know choose to just ignore me you know I you know I genuinely care about these people da 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 but now I don't look at it that way you know now it's a lot more like wow um you know it, it's just I, I, you know, it just makes you look at it in a completely new. It's not all about loss. It's, you know, I'm not looking at it as why well, I lost this person or I lost this person. I look at it more of like, um, you know, I, I'm growing and they're growing too. You know, you, you know, this is like a, a little separation and and where we're levels of where we're growing. But in the, in the, in at the time when we both when we were in that relationship together, we were both growing and, and that was a beautiful thing, you know. So you, it's really easy to look at something and look at it as all negative. Um, but the, um, a lot happens. You can, I think, part of forgiveness. You have to be able to look back and appreciate the the good in it as well. You have to be able to look back and be like, okay, this relationship did serve me. And and like I said, like absolutely, my relationship with uh, Joe Witnesses um, as a youth. I mean, it shaped who I am as a person. It shapes it shapes a lot of my values now. So it, it, you can never look. It, it's foolish to look back at a relationship and say, "Oh, that was all negative," or yeah, "That was all wasted out. time." Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you never want to look at it as wasted time because it's not. You know, you needed that relationship for you to be able to end up where you are now. So um, I think uh, once once you can get over that that fear of loss or looking back at the past as you know loss and sacrifice and look at it as more of a uh, it, it was like setting you up. It's like a stepping stone or or a foundation to something bigger, to something stronger. Um, I think that's such a more healthy way to look at it. And and then from this from this perspective, I'm also kind of why it kind of fuels me to help other people who may be on that on the fence of terms of leaving that relationship. I, I you know it makes me want to help them as well. You know to be able to get to that point because you know you go through a lot of emotion. Um, when you're on that borderline, and like I said, it, it's a, it takes a few years before you to truly make a decision and 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 say, okay, I'm I'm done. I'm actually done with this. Like I'm 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 you know, it, it's not an overnight thing. So it allows you to empathize with all those people that who may be on the fence about it, who who don't you know, who aren't who who don't have anyone to share it with. You know, I feel like I just I'm just more aware of that now. So the second I can. If I see that in somebody, you know, I can I know how, you know, how to kind of, you know, communicate with them in order to make things easier for them as well. What are some of the things I'm curious to know that you've learned by being in this religion that have shaped you who you have become today? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, being it that that definition of family that extends outside your family, like we called uh, everyone in our organization. So our, our congregation would probably have about like 100 people in it. And we refer to all those 100 people as brother and sister. And and um, and you're you, you know, we I've, I met with them about three, four times a week. And so I was constantly seeing people that was outside my family. So I I developed deep relationships with people. 
Um, and also part of the religion is that you, you know, you're constantly engaging people in the public, you know, you're constantly talking, you know, you're out, you know, preaching and, and you know, talking to people in the public. So one thing that has done is it showed me, and, and in our congregation, there was, you know, there were white people, black people, Hispanics, um, elderly, young, youth, and, and you're kind of made to connect with all of them. So what that showed me is that um, that that type of relationship or the relationship that you can have with people are not limited to, you know, there are no limits to the type of relationship. Race, age, ethnicity. Exactly. Yeah, yeah you can have like really deep, relationships and friendships and and you know whatever the extent of the relationships with, with anyone um and 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 so so when i so now when i'm out in public i don't look at someone like oh you know maybe that person's too old he won't understand what i'm talking about or mm. if I look from a different race that's why i like for example like you talk about the day i met you um i vividly remember when i met you <laughs> at face value you know we, you know me and Oleg, we don't really have much in common we i remember we literally talked for hours it, it, that could have been a podcast in and of itself it's <laughs> but, five hours straight i think it, it, that type of engagement i felt like i wouldn't be able to engage with you on that level if it wasn't for me being able to realize that i can find so much value in, in people that don't look like me or don't you know at face value don't share the same uh um you know things as you i guess no, I love that conversation. And, and in fact, I remember the same exact thing. You walking into the room and I think we had a meeting, like an introductory meeting for all of us to meet downstairs. Mm -hmm. But I think it was three or four hours away. And the entire time we sat in that room when we talked about almost yep. everything you could think of without yep. free of judgment, yeah. which was, I think, the coolest part. We were able to have this deep conversation about the topics that we were genuinely passionate about exactly. knowing that the other per person is not there to judge but rather to listen and add whatever insights they have and in some cases as i'm sure you might have been in the same position the times when you spoke about subjects that i didn't know anything about it didn't prevent me from shutting you shutting you out right. or anything like that it it made me more curious yeah, and so exactly. I think it, it, it kind of formed a relationship with a whole new relationship with curiosity for me. Exactly. I, I genuinely wanted to ask questions. And that for me, it was a very pivotal time to be a part of that program because it really allowed me to dive deep into who I was and realign with what I was meant to do for this particular chapter of my life. And so right. it really it boiled down to staying curious which mm -hmm. always comes from a choice. And I think I was having a conversation with a friend of mine earlier and we were talking about how even the decision to not make a choice is still a choice. Yeah. So there's always a choice. And especially when it comes to ending, continuing a relationship or whatever else, the, the whatever's the relationship that you want to have with that relationship, right. there's a choice <laughs> within that. Exactly. Yep. Whether you're acting on it, whether you're not, it's still a conscious choice that you're making. Right. And I think sometimes I, I know I've positioned myself where I would think that I'm not making a choice, mm -hmm. but I'm still choosing not to choose. Choosing not to make a choice. Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a very interesting thing that I think we go through in life. And so the, the final thought that I have for this episode, and that is, I know you've shared the things that or the reasons why you chose to uh, not let certain parts of that religion define you or certain mm -hmm. relationship. So this, the assumption that I could make is that you are no longer part of that religion. Right. And mm -hmm. as part of that, you had mentioned a subject that I've been genuinely curious in, and that is forgiveness mm -hmm. and acceptance. Mm -hmm. How much of that do you think you have to do as far as you accept yourself for the decisions you made are you obligated to tell others the same decisions and that see that, that's a thing that i mm. personally not struggle with but have a hard time understanding is with certain subjects when you have forgiven yourself or when, when you have forgiven a person for mm -hmm. the things that they might have done to you in your life. 
Mm-hmm. How important is it to, for you to tell that person uh, that you I have see. forgiven them? That's a really good question. That's a really, really good question. Um, I think forgiveness, I think that the magic and forgiveness for me, I like I'm speaking for myself, would be the hardest person to forgive in all of this would be myself. Um, I think I forgave everyone else before I forgave myself. Um, and the reason why is because you're always going to be harder on yourself. I, I blame myself. I always looked at myself as, oh, I'm just taking the easy route or, you know, I, I'm, I'm truly lost. I don't know what I'm talking about. There's no way I could be wise enough to know, to make this decision at, at such a young age. Um, and I think the, the self-talk that you have inside your head is, is what limits any level of forgiveness, because I, I don't think you can fully forgive other people until you until you've forgiven yourself. Um, and I think, like you said, what keeps a lot of people in relationships going back to that is that guilt. Because we have we know that there's times in the relationship where maybe we haven't done our best. I know that I probably wasn't the best, you know, Jehovah's Witness. And and there's things I could look back on. And really, it's very easy for me to beat myself up for that and, and kind of blame myself for why a relationship didn't work. But I think. You know, that's that will only keep you there. That that's gonna be your biggest hindrance in forgiving someone else is the fact that you haven't forgiven yourself and that guilt that you keep is gonna make you kind of look at everyone else with with the same guilt, you know. So the second I forgave myself, um, I, I I realized that like literally all the anger or anything that I had with anyone outside of myself kind of disappeared, you know. It was like it it all originated with me. It was all just you know, I, you know, forgiving yourself is the biggest thing that needs to happen. Now, the question of whether I should tell, whether I needed to tell the people that I, um, uh, that I saw that I forgave them. Um, I don't feel like I have, I, it's not like a need that I feel like I need to go out of my way to let them know, but I definitely need, but I do feel obligated that if I do encounter someone from the church or something now, I make it, I go out of my way to show them happiness, to show them love because so that they understand that we're not on bad terms. You know what I mean? It's not, although there's a disconnect, there's no hate. Like I have no negative energy or anything for you. Like it, they have to, I, so I, I guess you, I, I do feel compelled to make sure that they understand that, you know, we, we're both. The other side of life is possible. Exactly. Through, yeah, the, through the path that you chose. There, there's, thank you. Yeah. There's, you took the, put, yeah, you put the words that I was trying to say. There's, there's possible for there to be happiness outside of this relationship. And I think once you can show someone that, it, it, it almost inspires them like, wow, okay, well, maybe maybe that's the little inspiration they needed to, to seek something outside. So I think, um, yeah, I do think it is, your, now that you say that, I've never really thought about that that way, but I do think it is your obligation to express to the person um, or to the entity or whatever that you were in a relationship with that you've truly um, forgiven them. Or that you and that there's no like bad energy between the two because I think that is that's probably what they needed to hear as well um, to be able to finish their growth. So the growth doesn't necessarily only happen happen with you. I think, it, like you said, I do feel like you're obligated to share that back with them as like a thank you. So I, I never thought of it that way. So thanks for uh, absolutely. <laughs> Final thought for today's episode, and this is a question that I ask all of our guests, and that is. Who or what are you grateful for today? Hmm. Who am I grateful for today? Huh. Or what am I grateful for? Well, um, well, before I was even with the podcast with you, I was able to speak to a long-term uh, friend um, that I, I'm, you know, like I call family, and you know, it just makes me so grateful to have. You know, I don't keep. I, I, I value to ha- having deep relationships with a few p- amount of people than a lot of many little relationships. So I, I'm definitely grateful for the people that have accepted me for who I am and who's willing to, you know, really get deep with me as an individual and that you can kind of call up at any time and, and you know, chat with them for a couple of hours. I'm grateful for those people because it, it only takes one or two to really have a, a deep impact on someone's life. So for all of those people that are those type of friends too, like go for you, pat yourself on the back because we all need somebody like that. <laughs> Incredible. Alam, how do people find you? And most importantly, how do people get connected with your business? Because I, I know that I've had the privilege of experiencing it firsthand and a lot of the speakers that we had for the events. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always a problem 
especially right. I think when you land in Philadelphia, and I don't know if this is a thing, but like you can't request an Uber or a Lyft in certain areas, so you have to walk out yeah. half a mile this <laughs> way or a quarter of a mile the other way, and then you then you can make it. So, what are some of the ways that people can stay in touch with you, and what are some of the things that you have coming up? that people can be more aware of and become a part of. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the transportation, for sure, um, you know, whenever you're in the Philadelphia region, um, our company, Delaware Lemo Services, Philadelphia, anything surrounding. So we will come and escort you from the airport. <laughs> um, you know, you're in good hands when you're when you're with our service. So whenever you're in the area, just look up Delaware Limo, um, mention that you've heard this through the podcast, and, and we will make sure that it does not break your breaker bank to get some luxury transportation wherever you have to go. Um, but another takeaway, another group that I would like to reach out to, um, if there's anyone that listens to this podcast that has been a part of like a Jehovah's Witness or any type of religion that's really strict on excommunication or, or strict on once you're not a member no more, you're kind of cut off. I want to open up a discussion with the, with these individuals because I'm at, I, I would like to, um, you know, set up an event to where people who feel like they've lost their old communities can kind of build a new one. So I would love to, you know, open up the discussion for anyone um, that has gone through anything similar to that. I want to hear your story. And also, you know, because those type of things give me encouragement and, and also gives me an idea on how I can help others make that transition themselves. So I would love to have that type of engagement if I, for anyone out there listening. <laughs> Well, awesome, man. Thanks a lot for sharing. And first of all, thanks for being such a great friend and a part of my community and, and choosing to always be there. I think that's the most important part is one of the things, if there's anything that I could say about you is that you're always there, you're always 100% present, and you are always willing and able to serve the other person that's on the other side. That's, that's, man, it's, you know, steel sharpens steel. So I guess it's, <laughs> you know, like... Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our weekly newsletter so you can receive all of the latest episodes, featured stand-up and speak-up stories, and ways you can be involved with Overcoming Odds. Once again, thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to having you next week.